Welcome to Didache, where we are studying to show ourselves approved, rightly dividing the word of truth so we can worship God in spirit and truth, deepening our knowledge of God, thereby enabling us to deepen our love for God. Here is your host, Justin Peters. Welcome to the program, ladies and gentlemen. I hope that this finds you and yours doing well, and I want to thank you very much for joining me. We will continue our study today into the Jehovah's Witness cult. I know that we have been here for quite a while. Of course, the first oh number of programs, what was it, 13 or so programs, I was recording or playing back for you, rather, the recording that I did with John and Patricia, two Jehovah's Witnesses, and I received uh, quite a bit of email response from you. I'm very grateful for that. Uh, it was uh, an encouragement to you, helpful for you. So uh, thank you for that. I love to hear from you. When we are kind of getting now, we're now into more of the lecture type uh, section of this series that we're doing. I've been giving you the some of the background information about the J-Dubs, their society, a little bit about how they're organized, some of their beliefs. And yesterday we began looking at the New World Translation. This is their very own Bible version, their very own rendering of scriptures. And I said yesterday that this is the first, the very first rendering of the Bible, the first version of the Bible that has ever been done to fit uh, a particular religious group, a particular sect. It's the first one that was uh, commissioned by an aberrant theological movement to support itself, basically. And uh, it is eisegesis at its worst. It takes a number of verses and just arbitrarily changes them, changes them for no reason, and they do that so that they can fit the scriptures into their presuppose theology, presuppositional uh, theology, if you will. They change the Bible to make it fit their belief system. And so it is indeed eisegesis at its worst. It is reading a meaning of text into the scripture that is not there. Not only doing that, but changing the scripture itself. And this in uh, direct contradiction to their claim that the New World Translation, the NWT, is the most accurate Bible version out there. They make that claim, but it just simply is not true. And today I will begin giving you some very uh, hard and fast and irrefutable examples of why that is not true. I'll give you some examples of how they take verses of Scripture and just change them. They just change what is in the text. And so uh, if you have your pen and paper ready, or your iPad, or whatever it is on which you are fond of taking notes, let us begin. Our first example of scripture twisting that is found in the New World Translation is, drumroll please, Genesis 1, 1 and 2. Genesis 1, 1 and 2. That's right, dear friends. The problems with the New World Translation uh, begin quite literally with the very first verses in the Bible. I mean, they get it wrong literally right out of the gate. They change the Bible in the very first two verses. So uh, I'm going to read Genesis 1, 1 and 2 to you from the New American Standard Translation, my go-to 
preaching Bible. Uh, you probably know these verses by heart. Genesis 1, 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Well, there it is out of the New American Standard translation. Now, I'm going to read the same passage to you out of the New World Translation, the Jehovah's Witness Bible, NWT. Here it is. Quote, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Well, so far so good. That's just like the New American Standard. They continue. Now the earth was formless and desolate, and there was darkness upon the surface of the waters of the deep. Again, a little bit different, but so far so good. But here comes a problem. Here, here it comes. Ready? Are you sitting down? Here it goes. And God's active force was moving about over the surface of the waters. Did you catch that? God's active force. So instead of the Spirit of God moving over the surface of the waters, in the New, in the New World Translation it is rendered as God's active force. Dear friends, there is a big difference between the Spirit of God and God's active force. This is no small matter here. They do this because they do not believe in the Trinity. They do not believe in the personhood of the Holy Spirit. So they turn him, they turn the Holy Spirit into a neuter force. Recall a few days ago how we were talking about how the Jehovah's Witnesses reject the Trinity. They believe that God is one person, whereas the Bible clearly teaches that God is not one person. He is three persons. Now, that does not mean but we believe in polytheism, that we believe in multiple gods. God is one being. God is one. He is one being in three persons, but they reject that. So they have to change Genesis 1, verse 2, from the Spirit of God, they have to change that to God's active force. Active force. So they they take the personhood of the Spirit of God, God's Holy Spirit, the, the third member of the Triune God, change it to an active force. They, they uh, basically uh, turn it into a neuter, inanimate force, and that is a, that is a dramatic departure from Scripture. Uh, right out of the gate, right in the opening verses of the Bible, they have immediately a different God. So really, even if even if everything else in their New World Translation was right, which it ain't, but even if it was, right out of the gate, they get it wrong. They've, they've got a different God. They've got a different God. They reject the personhood of the Holy Spirit, and so they have to turn that into an active force. And yet, uh, that they, they, just, they just change this in the text for no reason other than a presupposed theology on their part. All right? Okay, well, that's the first one. The second one, still in the Old Testament, go to the book of Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. Zechariah 12, verse 10. Read this first to you out of the New American Standard. It says this, God speaking, I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication, so that they will look on me whom they have pierced. Remember that phrase. So they will look on me 
whom they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son, and they will weep bitterly over him like the bitter weeping over a firstborn. Okay, there it is out of the New American Standard. Compare that with the NWT, the New World Translation, and renders it thusly, says, quote, I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of favor and supplication, and they will look to the one whom they pierced, and they will wail over him as they would wail over an only son. Now, that may sound very similar, and it is similar, but there's one big, big difference. New American Standard has has it reading as they will... Uh, they will look on me whom they have pierced. The New World Translation says they will look to the one whom they pierce. So they take out that that personal pronoun, me, and they change it to the one whom they pierced. Now, this is, this is not random. This is intentional on the part because the Jehovah's Witnesses deny that Jesus was bodily raised from the dead. They do not believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus. Recall that they believe that he was merely a spirit being, that that his resurrection was a spiritual resurrection, that he did not have flesh and blood after his resurrection. Never mind the fact that Jesus said, See, look, here, I, I have flesh and blood. Uh, never mind the direct statement that he made of himself. So uh, I just kind of ignore that. So they believe that he was just a spirit being. So this this prophecy in the book of Zechariah, this is a messianic prophecy. And given that they do not believe that Jesus was bodily raised from the dead, uh, this is a problem for them. They have to change it. And uh, so they did change it. There's no grammatical reason for the change. They simply change it for their presupposed theology. They change, they will look on me whom they have pierced, to they will look to the one whom they have pierced. And they do this because they deny that Jesus was bodily raised from the dead. They say that he was simply a spirit being. All right, now we move. Now this is not the, the this is not an exhaustive list, dear friends. I'm just giving you a few of the more egregious examples in the NWT. So the next time uh, JW knocks on your door, you happen to run into one somewhere, um, you'll have, hopefully you'll have kind of some of these in your, in your mind a little bit. Uh, many more we could cite, but I'll give you some of the more, more important ones. All right, now let's move to the New Testament. New Testament, let's go to the book of John, John chapter 1, verse 1. John 1, verse 1, with little doubt. John 1, 1 is the most famous or infamous, if you will, of the JW's Watchtower Society scripture twisting. This is really one uh, that that maybe if people aren't familiar with any of the other verses, uh, they at least have some knowledge that they, you know, don't the J, the the Jehovah's Witnesses don't they do something kind of funny with John one one? Well, here it is. All right, I'm going to read this to you out of the New American Standard first, followed by the NWT. All right, New American Standard. We all know it, right? Of course we do. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The NWT, of course, inserts the definite article A, so that it reads thusly. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word word was a God. A God. They just insert that definite article. Now, dear friends, this simply is not in the text. It's just not there. 
period. They change the text in order to fit their theology. And they do this, of course, because they do not believe Jesus to be God, as we saw a few programs ago. They do not believe that. They believe that Jesus uh, was a created being, just like you and I are. They say they, uh, they on their own website, jw.org website, they reject Jesus as being Almighty God. They say we do not worship him because we do not believe him to be God. And so obviously this would be a problem for them. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Because clearly, even the JWs would admit that John 1.1 1, 1 is talking about Jesus. And so they have to, they don't like that phrase, and the Word was God. That's kind of awkward for their theology. So they insert the letter A, the Word was, was a God. They do this to diminish the deity of Christ and say that there is nothing unusual about him. He is a created being, and we are as well. Not too far removed, by the way, from uh, the Christology of the Word Faith Movement. The Word Faith Movement also, many of them also hold that Jesus was not pre-existent, uh, co-eternal with the Father, that he was a created being as well. So there's a lot of overlap between the, the errant theology of uh, Word of Faith and Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormonism and even Islam. There's a lot of overlap in their theology. It's packaged a little bit differently, packaged differently for different audiences, but um, when you boil them down to their, their basic components, the errors, the, her the heresy and the theological errors that you find in these movements, in these various movements, and on the, on the surface seem very different from one another. You know, the, the J-dubs and the Mormons, and Roman Catholicism and Islam, I mean, if you just kind of look at those on a surface level, you think, well, what really does one have to do with the other? And I might see a little bit of commonality between Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormonism, but uh, but Catholic uh, Catholicism and Islam, really? Yeah, yeah, they're, they're the same. They're the same. You boil them down, you get rid of all the kind of the the fluff and the the riffraff and the, ex the ex uh, external things, and you kind of boil them down to their basic components, and you see the same basic heresies. All right, our next example, we'll go to the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. I won't spend a lot of time with this because I've already dealt with this, dealt with it in our, when I was playing back the recording, you heard us, uh, you heard myself and John and Patricia talk fairly in depth, quite in depth about Colossians 1.15, but Colossians 1.15 says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Uh, and actually, in the New World Translation, guess guess what? It's rendered exactly the same. The New American Standard and the New World Translation render Colossians 1.15 exactly the same. But I bring this verse out to you, I point it out to you, because how they interpret that verse is very, very different. Recall that the JWs have a very unbiblical understanding of this word that is rendered firstborn. Now, the word in the Greek is the word prototakos, which literally means preeminent, the preeminent one. Now, the Jehovah's Witnesses believe that, that that word firstborn means first created, that Jesus was a created being, but that's not at all what it meant, because if Paul had wanted to say that Jesus was the first being ever created, there is a word that he could have used, which would have been prodoctizo, 
prodoktizo, but it's not the word he used. He didn't use prodoktizo. He used the word prototakos. So um, even though their verse reads the same, exactly the same, in the NWT as it does in the New American Standard, what they do with that word, firstborn, is very, very different. They have a profoundly unbiblical understanding of that word. All right, our next verse is actually beginning with the same verse, Colossians 1.15, but uh, 1.15 through verse 20, that passage there, uh, Colossians 1.15 through verse 20. Uh, I won't read all of that to you. You can read it, but jot that down, Colossians 1.15 through 20. The New World Translation inserts the word other. The New World Translation inserts the word other five different times in this passage when it just simply is not there dear friends it is not there that the the greek word they could have uh the greek word for other would have been ios they did not it's not in the greek it's not there but the new world translation just sticks it in there uh so that there when you read their translation it implies that jesus was a created being he himself was created so if Jesus was created, he could not have created all things because the all things would include him and he could not create himself. So they insert this word other. So Jesus created all other things. So in other words, their understanding of that passage is that uh, there was God the Father and then he created God the Son. And then from there... Well, not God the Son. Not They would not understand him as God the Son. That's, sorry, that's my uh, theological uh, gears kind of kicking in. That's just what I'm used to saying. Uh, they would believe that God the Father created the Son, not God the Son, according to their theology, that he created the Son, and then from that point forward, then the Son created all other things. So Jesus himself was created, but from that point forward, then Jesus created everything else. So that's why they put in this word other. But even that, even that is, is really um, problematic for their theology because only God can create. Uh, the Hebrew word for create is bara, and only God can bara. That is, only, that is something that only God can do. So even though they try to soften Colossians 1, 15 through 20, it's still problematic for them. Uh, so that's not one of their favorite passages. They kind of like to skim over that one if they can. So as they soften it as much as they possibly can, so they put in that word other. And they do this to preserve their belief that Jesus was himself created. And then from that point forward, he then created everything else. All right. Our next verse that we shall look at is in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2. Read this in the New American Standard, uh, just the last uh, half of this verse, because that's the pertinent part. New American Standard, in these last days, has spoken to us in his Son. In these last days, he has spoken to us. He, referring to God, has spoken to us in his Son. But in the New World Translation, they render it this way. Now, at the end of these days, he has spoken to us by means of a Son by means of a son. Uh, this is also unsupported by the text. The New World Translation translation renders it this way because they want to strip Christ of his singularity. 
They want, in other words, they want to strip Christ of his uniqueness, uh, and they want to elevate us to his status. And they say that Jesus is but one son of many sons. Okay, he is just one son of many others. That's why they say he has spoken to us by means of a son. He is a son. There are a lot of other sons, but he is just a son. Now, does this also sound to you similar to word faith theology? Yes, yes it is. It is very similar to word faith theology, word faith Christology, their doctrine of the person and work of Christ. Uh, word faith theology holds that Jesus, they have a very similar view of Jesus as do the Jehovah's Witnesses. Not exactly alike, but very similar. They they diminish the deity of Christ. They elevate man, uh, and they raise us up to the same level, having the same status, same character, same nature, same authority, all the rights, all the privileges, just, uh, to quote Essek Kenyon, just as much an incarnation as was Jesus of Nazareth. So they elevate us to the same level as that of Christ. And the Jehovah's Witnesses do the same thing. This is why... Uh, they do not like the rendering, he has spoken to us in his son. They change it to, he has spoken to us by means of a son. So, again, a lot of overlap between word faith theology and the uh, theology that of the Jehovah's Witnesses. All right, one more, one more, and we are running out of time. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 6, just a few verses down. Hebrews 1, verse 6. It says, let all the angels of God worship him. That's the New American Standard. Let all the angels of God worship him. But the New World Translation renders it as, quote, and let all of God's angels do obeisance to him, or obeisance to him. Now, obeisance, that's not a word we often use. But uh, what they're doing here, dear friends, is another intentional mangling of the text. The word that the New American Standard renders as worship that the New World Translation renders as obeisance, is in the Greek proskuneo, which literally means, wait for it, are you ready? Worship. That's what proskuneo means. It means worship, uh, not obeisance. Obeisance simply means to honor someone or to show someone respect. So they're okay with that. They're okay with honoring Jesus or showing him respect. What they are not okay with is worshiping him. And so they change that word. So here's just a few examples of how the NWT intentionally mangles the word of God, twists it beyond all recognition. And they do this to make the Bible try to fit their theology. They try to fit a round peg into a square hole or square peg in a round hole, I guess it is. They try to fit fit a square peg into square peg of God's word into the round hole of their theology. All right, dear ones, we are out of time. I want to thank you very, very much for joining me. And until our next time together, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Thank you for listening to Didache. We hope that you were encouraged and edified by what you just heard. If you have a question or comment for Justin, or interested in more teaching resources, or would like to have him come and preach at your church or conference, you may contact him at justinpeters.org.